to episode 35 of the FitLife Formula podcast. My name is Brian Sippett. I'm the founder and CEO of Advantage Strength in Ann Arbor, Michigan. The FitLife Formula podcast is a show specifically for the members of Advantage Strength, where we're helping people live more, play more, and feel stronger than ever before so that they can stay active with their family and friends and get back to doing the things that they love to do. On the FitLife Formula podcast, we're going to be talking about things uh, that are going to help you stay active as you age as you get older. So primarily, uh, we're talking about topics that are going to help the 30 to 65 or 70 year old uh, to keep moving to stay active with their family and friends. Um, And so we're talking nutrition, we're talking training. Uh, A lot of times it's uh, self care, whether that's uh, uh, mental self care or physical self care. Today we have uh, an expert on with us. His name is Greg Shibley. He's from on track physical therapy. He's the founder there, and Greg is going to talk to us about dry needling, which uh, maybe sounds a little scary if you haven't been exposed to it before, but he's going to talk to us about uh, dry needling as a therapy technique uh, and a way to keep you healthy and and, uh, keep you ache and pain free. So um, without any further ado, Greg, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, Brian, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. And so you and I had a chance to meet uh, a couple months ago. And, you know, I, I've seen your work. You were with Sports Rehab Expert. Is that right? Yeah, you were yep. a Sports Rehab Expert for a long time. Um, and then you've been a, a practicing physical therapist for the last seven years, um, but have recently branched out on your own to, to form this on-track physical therapy. So um, you've been doing that for about two years. Talk a little bit about your background, how you got into physical therapy, um, and then, you know, maybe talk about why branching out outside of the traditional PT clinics. Yeah, for sure. Um, I got into physical therapy uh, as a a means of something that I personally experienced. I think a lot of people probably get into the field because of that. Um, but my I played a lot of sports growing up in high school, and uh, my nickname was injury prone, <laughs> um, is what all my teammates tend to call me because I was always ending up in the athletic training office. Um, and it's um, wasn't so so that's what exposed me the me to the field first and foremost but it wasn't until i started taking things seriously both in the rehab room and in the strength and conditioning environment that i really noticed a significant reduction in my um, injuries that they happened in overall performance and overall health so that's where i kind of became sold to it and then obviously kind of continuing my uh, education through the doctorate program i went to the university of finley in ohio um, and then uh, you kind of realize when you're through school, they, they teach you to be a generalist a, a little bit more so to kind of help you pass the exam and help you pass the boards, which is, which is necessary because physical therapists work on a variety of different settings and a variety of different fields. But if you're really trying to get into sports, orthopedics, there's a lot of accessory uh, education that you want to go through. So uh, I kind of uh, give a lot of credit to the mentors that I've been involved with, uh, sports rehab expert Joe Heiler in Traverse City, Michigan, was a, a big part of my career development um, and uh, kind of showing me the ropes, but then also giving me other things to kind of think about moving forward and what other educational platforms to to look into into the future and kind of where the field was going. Um, and so that it, I feel like give me a, a leg up on everybody else, but then also to have a little bit of a futuristic mindset on, uh, you know, how the field is going to keep progressing over the years too. So, um, always had a passion again for sports performance, but really m- my goal is just to help people keep an active lifestyle. Like it, it, it brings joy to me to see someone get back to doing something that they love to do, uh, that they 
currently cannot because of an injury or a limitation. Um, and that's the most rewarding part about the, the field to me, um, it, whether that be an athlete or someone who's, you know, 80 years old and trying to play with the grandkids. So do you find that you have more freedoms when it comes to, you know, having your own practice versus, you know, if you're in the more, I don't know what you would call the setting, the clinical setting or, you know, the bigger companies, do you have more freedom and more ability to practice how you'd want to practice? Yeah. So uh, my, my practice is very much individualized treatment. Um, and I, I think that's something, unfortunately, that we're seeing a lot of healthcare. And some of this is just the environment of the current healthcare situation and, and being um, insurance driven where uh, insurance um, being uh, covered by insurance doesn't necessarily mean your uh, best interests or well-being is necessarily fully understood um, because insurance is a business first and foremost too. So they, they always have a bottom line. And uh, with that happening, there's restrictions and, um, you know, middlemans and uh, a lot of different reasons why coverage is delayed for people. So I, I feel like Delayed coverage is, is a form of uh, not giving someone their full uh, benefits too. Because if, if you're not getting seen right away when you're developing an injury, that can potentially make the injury worse or you're just kind of suffering during that time period too. So uh, the delayed responses that we see being able to get into professionals, is, I think is a huge problem as well. Um, so that something being, being in control of my schedule there and, and allowing myself to have hours that are necessary to see, see individuals. Um, but then also I don't see people on a real, real frequent basis. Um, and I think that's something that's a little bit different because the healthcare system is so, uh, how many people can we fit into a, a short amount of time? So if you've ever been to a doctor's visit, you know, you maybe get 10 minutes with the doctor. Um, if you've been to a physical therapy clinic, a lot of times you're seeing, uh, the f actual physical therapist who has their doctorate degree or a master's degree and you see them for maybe 10 minutes and then you're passed on to a tech who is just on the job trained. Um, and perhaps you're with uh, four other people who are being seen for an injury too at the same time, which that it, when we're talking about people who have more complex cases that are going on, that isn't necessarily a good fit to be in involved with because you can't really necessarily get to the root cause of the issue all the time. So a lot of times it's more triage that happens and you can't develop this relationship with a, a patient and a, a, a client and uh, get to know what they're trying to get back to, what's been hindering the process and how long this has truly been going on for and really dive deeper into some of the root causes um, and having uh, more control over my schedule and how I see people when I see people and, and the amount of time that I can educate them on the issue. I, I think it's a much more sustainable uh, process for the, the patient uh, moving forward because they have a much better understanding of what to do when they're not being seen by me, which I think is the, because you, you, you mean, realistically, you're with me for a very short period of time, you're with yourself for your life. So if you understand what you're doing to help solve the issue, that makes you a lot less dependent on a healthcare provider. And that that really is the ultimate goal. Yeah, and there's a good chance if, you know, if you're, if someone comes to you with an overuse injury, it's, it's, you know, life based for the most part. And so if you're not changing the habits that cause that it's, it's the, the cycle never stops. So um, that's a really important part. And I think just to touch on, you know, the, the wait times, we had a, a member in here who has a disc injury, a lumbar disc injury. 
and it was going to take her, I think this injury happened um, beginning of December, and it was going to be until mid-January before she could get into the, the specialist for that, yeah. right? So um, those are painful wow. issues too. It's it's not sure. something that you want to be delaying because people are in a lot of pain. Yeah, it's not it's not anything to laugh about, but that that situation is very common. Um. So yeah, there there is a need, and um, there there are smaller clinics popping up, you know, all over outside of your you know your major three, you know, the ones attached to the hospital, the ones attached to the university, uh, yeah. all of those. So there's definitely a need and in a market for that. So. Um, outside of, you know, you're, you're practicing, I guess, more like traditional, I don't know if traditional is the right word, uh, physical therapy techniques, but you're also using some other, um, techniques that are a little bit different than something you might have experienced before, or someone might have experienced before, or, um, that they might be able to, to do in their tr more traditional settings. Talk a little bit about, um, ultimately we're going to get to dry needling, but what else do you have at your disposal that that you've been using as kind of modalities to help people? Yeah, so uh, dry needling, you mentioned dry needling. We'll be talking about that a lot more in the episode. Um, I also use cupping, which uh, it, probably with Michael Phelps, that's become a lot more prevalent where people have heard about it. Um, and then instrument-assisted soft tissue mobilization. So um, the those are probably the most I do do some mobilization and manipulations as well too, but those would be kind of the conjunction of the hands-on treatments. Um, I feel like the hands-on treatments having a more eclectic approach, being able to choose and pick which one you want to use um, helps the patient respond better because not everybody's going to respond to uh, one particular method. Whereas, you know, if you're just going to a chiropractor and all they do is manipulations, then, you know, what if it's not a joint issue? What if it's a soft tissue issue? Um, and same thing with the soft tissue issue. There's a variety of things that I use. Usually it's the cupping, instrument-assisted soft tissue mobilization and the dry needling. Um, but if I just dry needled, not everybody likes needles. So then it limits me from people who I can help uh, in other ways too. So the cupping is a, a way of kind of getting similar effects to, to dry needling um, in a much less uh, threatening way for some people um, is probably the best way to put it. Um, so those, those are probably the, the biggest hands-on treatments that I do. Um, there's a lot of things that I go into deep with breath work as well, which is a little bit probably pretty unique compared to a lot of people. And it's not this kind of foo-foo-y breath, you know, uh, kind of a, a practice. It's, it's more about how you can use breath to control position of your rib cage and pelvis, which is extremely important when you're talking about, you know, gym exercises and things like that to control um, position of the body so that you put the body in the most mechanical uh, advantage that it can possibly be in to perform a lift or an exercise or uh, just a daily movement. Um, and then also a lot of times people don't necessarily realize when we're talking about thoracic movement, lumbopelvic movement, how much your rib cage is actually involved with that. And if you watch a lot of people move, they move their spine fairly well. This is just a generalization. They either move their spine fairly well or the hips fairly well, but in most instances, the rib cage is actually fairly stuck uh, in a, a position where you should see that being very, very dynamic uh, as someone moves in and out of uh, a flexion-based posture or a toe-touch posture, and then as someone reverses back into more of an extension posture or a, a leaning back posture. Um, so the rib cage should change with the spine and the pelvis, and they all work in conjunction to one another. And if those three things aren't necessarily 
happening or you can't dissociate those movements, then you're going to use or put more stress in another area of your body. And that's where potential problems can ensue. So let's talk about, let's get into the dry needling here and, and see what this is all about. I, I think it's, it's interesting to me, number one, cause I don't know much about it. Um, you know, I think people hear dry needling and maybe they think acupuncture, um, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe you could address the differences there. Um, but talk a little bit about the, the purpose of dry needling, who might benefit from this, um, and what it looks like in practice, uh, if they were to come into your office. Yeah. So the, the purpose of dry needling would be to address some type of soft tissue limitation. So we're addressing a muscle injury or a muscle, uh, stiffness problem. Um, or we're treating pain. Um, so that, uh, we'll kind of go into some of the differences between, you know, if we're treating muscle injury and, and, and pain, um, because it's not, if you're in pain, it doesn't necessarily mean it's always a soft tissue problem. Um, so with the, with the needle or though how it's different from acupuncture is mostly in the intent. So the needle is the same. Um, depending on the acupuncturist's background, I don't want to speak for acupuncturists, but, um, from my understanding of what acupuncturist is, acupuncture is, again, I'm not trained in it, but they tend to stay a little bit more superficial, whereas, uh, dry needling will, we're addressing muscles, not meridians. So, um, meridians, uh, you're, you're not necessarily going to go as deep into the tissue. Whereas if I'm trying to get to someone's, uh, lower layers of their glute activity, um, then we're going to want to, uh, make sure we hit the depth that hits the muscle that's implicated. Um, so that, that changes for the shoulder because there's different layers of tissue and muscles that stack on top of each other from the neck to the shoulder. Same thing for the glutes, the back, there's different layers of tissue. And depending on the, um, the tissue that we feel is implicated, uh, the depth of that will change a little bit. Um, so that, that's one difference there where most of the time acupuncturists will stay fairly superficial, whereas we're trying to get to the muscle that we feel is the root cause of the problem. Um, and again, I'm not putting uh, needles along meridian lines. Uh, I'm looking at movement patterns and how somebody moves and what muscles could be implicated uh, based upon that movement pattern and then addressing that particular muscle tissue it itself. Um, so is that kind of what you're looking for there with, with, uh, designation between the, the differences there? Yeah, that works. And, you know, talk, so you mentioned a couple of times, basically trying to get the, the tip of the needle to a muscle that might be causing the issue. What happens to that, to that muscle? If you, you know, let's say yeah, you hit the target. There. Yeah. Um, so at first and foremost too, the needle is really, really small and thin. Um, yeah, like about 10 of these fit inside a, a blood draw needle. Um, so they're really, really tiny. Uh, a lot of times you just feel a little bit of a poke and that's it. Um, sometimes people, depending on the area of the body, you really don't even feel anything going in. Um, but when you, when you get to the, the muscle, uh, what can happen is something, something called a twitch reflex, um, or a twitch response. And that twitch response is essentially what you're searching for. So that twitch is a, a contraction of the muscle. So uh, if you're in the muscle belly itself and you've kind of inserted the needle there, uh, sometimes you'll see a, a twitch occur. Um, and that would be a mechanical stimulation that occurs. And that twitch is what you're looking for. Um, from the simplest standpoint, um, you're looking at, you know, if, if you contract the muscle, if you think like a bicep curl, you contract the muscle, 
the next subsequent thing it has to do is relax. So after a contraction, there has to be a followed a subsequent relaxation. Um, on a deeper level, if you really wanted to get into the sciences, it's something that uh, you would call a stretch reflex or the gate control theory of pain. Um, those would be kind of the mechanisms, but probably the simplest way to look at it is if you contract the muscle, the next thing it must do is relax. And this is a way of mechanically creating that stimulation um, to a very specific muscle. And ultimately, that's why exercise can be uh, useful for pain problems too, is because you're getting a muscle contraction, which again is followed by uh, relaxation too, and you're, and you're moving the body around. Um, just you can't get real, real specific sometimes with exercises where we can get really, really targeted, obviously with the needle, um, getting to a particular muscle group. Um, you don't always get the twitch reflex uh, through insertion of the needle. So um, I use a TENS unit uh, to then, uh, I'll leave the, the needle be and then hook it up to a TENS unit, which creates a little bit of that twitching response too. Um, it, the best way to describe that is it just feels like a heartbeat. It's not like this real intense shock or anything there or a, like a real tight cramping sensation. It's, it's more just kind of like a heartbeat, heartbeat or a light thumping feeling that you will feel in the, to the muscle contracting. And that's a way again to, we're looking for the twitch response to occur. So if it didn't happen through the insertion of the needle, then we want to uh, mechanically create it happening through the, uh, the tens unit subsequently. So that would be, uh, the mechanism that you're looking for, how it helps the muscle to relieve tension and tone, um, which can be helpful for, again, just overall ability to move. But oftentimes when somebody's in pain, they develop this tonicity about their muscles or guarding about their muscles. Uh, the way I describe it to people is if you're driving in a snowstorm and you don't necessarily feel comfortable about the situation, you start gripping the steering wheel really, really tight. You create rigidity and you're white knuckling it. Um, so that, that's what happens when the body is in pain and why surrounding tissues can become tight, irritable, uh, and problematic. Uh, and util utilizing the dry needling and the twitch response is, is, is a way of reducing some of that tone. Cool. Uh, you know, I guess uh, I've experienced the TENS unit before, you know, in, in like kind of the athletic uh, area. And uh, you mentioned it as a heartbeat. And I, I think it's you know, you might also recognize it as if you've ever had kind of a, a weird muscle twitch, like, I don't know, I, I get them not often, and, but, you know, often enough to know what it feels like. But sometimes it, you have a muscle that just kind of starts to, to twitch a little bit or to, to flutter a little bit. Um, yeah, it feels like that. It's not like electric shock or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but, um, okay, cool. So, so basically well, you're looking, go ahead. Yeah, if you don't mind. Uh, one quick question I get asked a lot too is uh, you brought up the, the TENS unit and, and having that done where um, if you aren't familiar with the TENS unit, if you ever had uh, like patches placed on your skin uh, and then um, like a little bit of a pulsating that Brian was just describing there hooked up to it, that's, that's a TENS unit where it'd be superficially placed on the skin, whereas the needle um, goes into the muscle belly. So a lot of people ask, you know, I've had the TENS unit before, how is dry needling different from the TENS unit? And the difference is that we're actually getting below the, the, the skin layer um, and we're able to actually get into the muscle belly itself, um, which creates a lot more mechanostimulation, um, which creates a little bit more of a novel and, and uh, more of the neural response that, uh, again, for reduction of tone is usually a lot greater than just using uh, a TENS unit alone. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Um, always good to paint as 
clear a picture as possible, especially with something like this. Um, and so who, who have you found that this is best for? Who do you have the best success with? Um, you mentioned pain a couple times, but what kind of pain are we talking about? Yeah, so um, if, if you're, I would say probably the areas that I use it the most common are the neck, shoulder, and back. Um, those are probably the most common areas that people feel the chronic tension in. Um, so that if you're experiencing chronic tension and just feels like the muscle is always toned up, you're always uh, tense and can't relax the tissue. And that that's happened for a, a long period of time, kind of on and off again. So more of the chronic issue with that. Um, the, the dry needling works really well. Um, and that stimulus that it gets is often very novel and creates a relaxation and oftentimes allows you to get more out of your exercises, uh, that you would be doing previously. So, um, I always talk about, uh, you know, we need to be doing something on a fitness component level too. So it's nice networking with other, uh, strength coaches and, uh, I'll often send people home with exercises too. Um, the, uh, the, that follow-up of getting the relaxation of the muscle followed by then doing some type of physical activity is where you'll start to get more longer lasting relief and more sustainable outcomes. Um, but the, the dry needling for people who have tried exercise before and they still feel like they're always kind of in this tense toned up state around the neck, shoulder, low back. Those are, again, probably the three most common areas that I treat with this. Um, that provides a, a little bit different stimulus and a little bit more relaxation that I've found. And people often describe or come back to me and saying they feel like they can get a lot more out of their exercises afterwards. So mm. that would probably be the um, most common reason that I see people is just this kind of, it's almost like a toothache where it's, it's not terrible, um, but it, it's an annoyance to their life. Uh, and uh, the, the dry needling can often be a very useful way of um, alleviating that. Um, the other standpoint would be um, after an acute injury. Um, I don't necessarily, dry needling isn't my first go-to after the acute injury because we actually have to let the body kind of calm down for a bit too. But uh, once that acute inflammatory response has kind of gotten over with, again, you'll usually find because you may still be dealing with a little bit of pain um, that the muscles surrounding uh, that tissue that was uh, injured become tense, toned up and, and tight again. Um, and, uh, that is more of like an amplifier to why the pain may be a little bit more irritable is because all the tissues now around the injured site have become irritated and sensitive too. Um, so that just tends to amplify the reason why someone's in pain or why someone might be in pain for an extended period of time, longer than what you would consider a normal recovery time from an injury. Um, so those would be the probably the most common reasons why I, I use it. I hope that answers the the question or what you were looking for there. Yeah, for sure. And and I'm just trying to give an idea of you know when it might be time to try something like this. And I'll say for my side of things on the on the training side, we see a lot of people who you know let's say in, in exercise like a row where you're you know you're you're pulling your your chest up in between. Uh, the handle, the handles of a TRX strap or, you know, your, your, any kind of pulling motion. We see so much, um, like shrugging, hard shrugging that goes on with that. And yeah. right away you can kind of ask, like, do you, you ever have, uh, you ever have neck pain, shoulder pain, like trap pain up there? I'm like, yeah, how'd you know? It's like, well, 
you know, that's pretty clearly your, you know, and so not only from our side of things, you mentioned, you know, going, having a, a some professional help in terms of getting exercising again and not reinforcing the patterns that, that got you in pain in the first place. Um, you know, we see a lot of that where we can kind of create, uh, correct that. And all of a sudden the, the shoulders come down and they're like, oh, wow, you know, I didn't even realize that I, I was doing that. So, um, you know, professional help on both sides, number one, to eliminate the pain. And also number two, to, to make sure that, you know, exercises are being done well during being done correctly, um, is a way out of that pain. So, um, right. what if people want to try this? What, what's the best way to go about that? And, you know, what can they expect when they come see you? Yeah, so um, I, I take uh, kind of like I call it a dosing approach to to doing it. Um, the first time someone has it, uh, I I'm not going as intense as what you potentially could. The goal is never pain. Um, it should be comfortable to sit through. And again, using that white knuckle analogy, if you're counting down the time till this gets over, or you're white knuckling, or you're sweating bullets, um, this either just isn't for you, or um, we're we're not doing what's necessary to help you get relaxed because ultimately this should help you feel relaxed. Um, so we don't want that, uh, kind of, uh, sympathetic response anyways. So I, I dose it. Um, and what I mean by that is, uh, I'll, I'll just start with a couple of the, the needles to the most, uh, the particular tissues that I think are most involved. Um, and then as I see a response to it during the, the session, but then also, how do you feel after the session? Uh, again, the, the soreness that you would feel afterwards feels very similar to if you just had an intense workout because you got the muscle to contract, relax, contract, relax. So the muscle will just feel fatigued afterwards. And the, the muscle soreness you would feel after a dry needling session is very similar to a, a workout session. Um, not the pain that brought you here. Um, so that, that that's a very distinct thing to make clear is that it should not cause the pain that brought you here the the soreness that you should feel is very different um it shouldn't last for anything more than 24 hours which would be like the normal soreness you would experience after a intense workout like a delayed onset muscle soreness where um, you just got to kind of keep it moving and then the, the next subsequent day after that it's just perfectly fine so um that 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 would be the typical response um that varies between a lot of individuals to where they won't feel nothing at all no soreness zero soreness and there's other people who do get sore so that's why it's important to kind of start slow ease your way into it um so i i start pretty pretty uh basic um uh, pretty light and then as as we see your response uh, then we can kind of dose it up as uh as needed and obviously there's a point where uh, we stop because there's no point of doing more because there's uh, there's a, there becomes a point of doing too much too. Uh, so you just got to be careful that you don't hit that that point. But that's usually never a problem. So um, that would be kind of what you would expect to see over the course of the initial session and kind of subsequent sessions. There um, is that we just kind of gradually dose it up to the amount of dosage that we're searching for, or that gives you an effective response. Uh, and then we just we keep it at that, and then. Uh, after usually it takes a little bit more frequent sessions up front. I'm tend to see people once a week, um, twice a week would be the most that I would see somebody for this to start. Um, but then the end goal is to start spacing that out further and further to where I might see somebody 
once a month or as needed, um, just to kind of uh, loosen it up if, if something is going on again. So uh, the goal is to dose it up to what's effective and then start dosing it back down to the minimum effective dose, if that makes sense. Sure. And, and so if, if any of our, uh, anyone listening is, is interested in this, I, I know you mentioned that you had a deal that you're offering for our, our listeners. Um, and so what, what's the, what's the offer and, and how can they get a hold of you? Yep. So it's a, it's just a $47 trial. Um, just to see if you like it again, um, the initial treatment is fairly, uh, relaxed and, and pretty minimal, um, because we don't want to create soreness or any type of pain, obviously. So, uh, after that session, um, if you feel like it's something that could be helpful, you should notice some type of response to it, whether you, whether it's within session or after you go home, you should notice some type of change that occurs, how long that change lasts. That's kind of to be determined. And that's part of why we would ha have a plan of care afterwards. But, um, that at least it gives you a trial is very low barrier, lets people kind of just get a feel dip their toe into it. Um, so that $47 trial is, is where we start with people, um, just to see what it's like and the best way they can, um, get a hold of me is reach out to me through email, uh, and just mention the podcast. That way I know where you, you came from and, um, we can set you up with one of the trials and my email. And I don't know if you got show notes with this or not, Brian, but it's, it's Greg at Ann Arbor physio. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes for sure. And I'll be sure to also put a clarifier in there that there is no, there's no typo. There is no dot com at the end of that. I, I, I've never seen yeah. that before. So I, I missed you a couple times with that. So finally had to ask some yeah. questions and figure out what it actually is. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's great. We'll put that in the show notes for sure. So make sure it, when you contact Greg to mention that you heard it on the podcast here uh, so that you get that $47 um, offer and Hopefully, you know, this is one of those things that can keep you moving, keep, get you back out of pain and, and uh, keep you active and confident in, in doing the things that you want to do as you, you know, as you go on here. So, Greg, uh, we're going to wrap with that. But thank you so much for taking the time to join us today and make sure you reach out to, uh, if you're listening. Make sure you reach out to Greg if you're interested in dry needling, even if you're interested and you're, you want to know a little bit more about it or find out if it would be good for you. Reach out to Greg and uh, we'll get the email address in the show notes again. And um, Greg, thanks again and uh, appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, certainly, Brian. Thanks again for the opportunity to be on.